0: Anybody ready for the Word tonight? Yeah. All right, let's go to James chapter 4. James, the fourth chapter. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. We've been in a series now for a for a while, and uh, it's called Close, Drawing Near to God. Are you ready for some more of that? Yeah. Praise God. This is good stuff. I don't know about... I mean, that sounds... You know, like I'm praising myself. I don't mean it that way. It's just God is good. He's given us some good insights and and revelation and, and uh and, and I've had more requests for this sermon to this series, this teaching series to go on and on and on. I think than I've ever had for another a series I've done and people want it to go on the whole year. And, and uh, well, that's not going to happen, but <laughs> that doesn't mean you can't take these principles and, and allow them to continually work in your heart until your relationship with God is so good. You can hardly stand it. And, uh, and praise God. And when it, when, it, when it is that way, it'll come out your eyes, it'll come out your pores, and it'll come out your actions. Amen. Let's read our text. James chapter 4 and verse 8 reads, draw near to God and He w- will draw near to you. Again, the, the New Living Translation reads this way, come close to God and God will come close to you. What a wonderful thing that we can have such a relationship with God that closeness defines it. And uh, I I trust you're going up. I trust you're increasing in your your fellowship with God. The love of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. These things are so essential, and they're available to all. Let's not any one of us do without them for any moment or any day of our lives. Praise God. If you're overly concerned about what everyone else thinks about you in life, uh, spend more time with the Lord, and you'll stop caring. You won't give a rip what someone else thinks because your, your relationship with God is so good. And you'll know that he loves you. And you know that you're accepted in him. And, and when that relationship was right, is right, that really sets the stage for other relationships to be right. Amen. I don't mean that if you're close to God, some people won't be annoyed by it. They will. We live in a fallen world. There's something called persecution. There's jealousy. There's envy. There's strife and all kinds of things that exist. But when you've got peace on the inside, when you are right with him from the inside out, man, nothing from the outside can shake you. Praise God. It's kind of like the old uh, uh, weebles wobbles. Remember, I don't know if anyone, uh, some of you are not near old enough to remember those, but when when I was a kid... Uh, I had these toys and they were called Weebles wobbles. They basically looked like little eggs and uh, they had faces and stuff on them and, and they were weighted in the bottom and they, the saying was Weebles wobble but they won't fall down. <laughs> That's because if you push them over, they bounce right back up. and And there's something about when you are grounded and you are settled in a truth and in your relationship with God, you're settled on the inside that no matter what happens out here, you may rock and you may sway and you may move around but you're always going to pop right back up. Amen. And those things were always smiling too. They were always smiling. I like that. No matter what happens around me. I'm going to bounce up. I'm going to come up smiling. Why? Because I'm right on the inside. I'm right with God through Jesus. and, And I walk with him on a daily intimate basis. I know his voice. Come on now, you ought to be saying that regularly. I know his voice. I know his, his ways. I understand the Lord in my life. Praise God. And you fellowship with him in a very real way. You know, Psalm 27 is a really good scripture. Uh, if you turn there, make sure you hold your finger back there in James 4 because we'll come back. But Psalm 27, the psalmist said, I would have lost heart. That's interesting. I would have lost heart unless... I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Now, there's a lot really that comes out in a simple verse like that. But he said, I would have lost heart. I would have failed. I would have gone under if I hadn't believed to see. Now, how many know that's different than what the way the world talks? They say, if I see it, I'll believe it. He said, no. He said, I would have, I would have lost heart if I hadn't believed to see. Do we believe in seeing? Yes. But we believe to see. Believe. To see. What if I don't believe? Then I won't see. And that really encompasses every part of our walk in relationship with God. Not just getting saved. Not just receiving an answer to prayer. Not just getting healed or getting your your needs met. It is even in communion and fellowship with God. That we believe to see. I believe when I pray, I'm going to see something. I'm going to see Him on the inside. And I'm going to see the results of this on the outside. But if I don't ever get to a place of believing, I'll never get to a place of seeing. The psalmist said, if I had not believed to see, I, would, I, I wouldn't, I uh, would let's see, <laughs> basically I wouldn't have seen the goodness of God. And notice that last lang- language, and last phrase there, in the land of the living. What does that mean? That's a kind of a strange saying, but that's just talking about now and in this life. He's not talking about, I'm going to see God. I'm going to see Him in heaven. I'm going to see Him someday. No, here, now, I'm going to see, I'm going to experience the goodness of God. Amen. Is that your belief today? Can you believe to see the goodness of God showing up and being manifest in your life? I trust you. I, I tell you what, you can. You can choose to. Someone said, I'm having a difficult time believing. No, no that, that's just a choice you make. See, see people, uh, people are choosing every day what they're going to believe. Hmm. You know, sometimes people who are uh, really into uh, the scientific side of stuff, they say, ah, I know so much, I have a hard time believing. No, 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 no. People are making a choice as to what they're going to believe. You can choose to believe one thing, or you can choose to believe something else. Come on now. Someone said, well, you've got to deal with facts. <laughs> of course we deal with facts, but what we're dealing with in, in life, this is kind of side stuff here, I'll get back. But we, what we deal with is evidence. Is evidence, the evidence left naturally, spiritually, in, in all kinds of ways. And, and, and if someone said, I, I just believe in, in, in science and, and these things. Well, you, you, you can only go so far. I mean, if it's truly scientific, that really means that you can reproduce it in a laboratory. When people talk about, uh, I'm just not sure about this, and I think, I, I think evolution or something like that is the real thing. Well, there are not facts that support that. There are theories. If someone says anything else, they're either deceived or they're lying. There are not facts that say an explosion took place, a mighty one, many, many moons ago, you know, gazillion years ago. And out came a solar system that worked like a clock. Are you listening? There are not facts that support that. That's a guess. That's a supposition. And it's about, the reality is it's about as true as if we went to the junkyard, you know, the auto salvage, and dropped a bomb in there and out came a brand new Mercedes. That's about the likelihood of that happening, which is never It's just absolutely impossible. Amen. So why why do I say that? I say that people are choosing what to believe all the time. We're making a choice. You can choose to believe one thing or you can look at the evidence of God moving. And we could go through that if we had time and maybe another message we will. But we can choose to believe in the Lord and what He has said and and the testimony that He has left and and, and the people's lives that He has changed. And if you will, guess what? You'll see the goodness of God in your life. You'll see exactly what He said come to pass in you. Amen? Amen? Amen. Praise God. And so these things are for this time and for this place. Now, Now back to James 4. Back to James 4. We've, we've been using half a verse <laughs> as our text for, for a long time now, it, teaching in this series. And, and that's okay. If I use a half a verse, I'm not going to establish a doctrine, a truth on a half a verse that's not substantiated by context or by many other verses in the Bible. That's never a wise thing to do. Okay. however, there are times when you can see a principle in the word of God. And although it has context, you you realize that you can take it out of the context and it is a standalone truth or principle. And that's what we've been doing with this particular message is the fact is you can draw near to him and he will draw near to you. That works really in any context. Does that make sense? However, let's take a look at some of the things he was saying here. Uh, Back up to verse 7. It says, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, now notice the next verse says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Then the rest of that verse, uh, Cleanse your hands, you sinners. And purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Hallelujah. Well, I added the hallelujah. Uh, Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. Now, when you read all the stuff around there, and I imagine you already have, people have, have wondered What about that? I mean, that's kind of (laughs) negative. That's kind of not a real happy passage there, isn't it? It's not. It's not. He is showing them how to get out of their current condition and their current state. But if you'll, when you read this, and even you can go all the way back to the beginning of the chapter and read the whole book for the whole context. But James is talking to his church. This is a church at Jerusalem. And they were obviously uh, backslidden. A lot of them had their priorities way out of whack. They had gotten away from God. They were doing a lot of things wrong. And this letter was a strong correction for them. It was a strong word to get them back on track where they needed to be. It's interesting though, the book even starts with the term brethren. So he's not saying they're not saved, but he is talking to saved people and get, get, trying to get them to get their act together. To get their themselves back in line to doing what they needed to do. And, and so you read earlier in this passage, you know, they were called adulterers and adulteresses. And it's not talking physically, it's talking spiritually they were that way. Um, they're called proud, they're called sinners, they're called double-minded, they're called friends of the world you know, and enemies of God in in that context. He's using all this strong language. He is not talking about who they are positionally in Christ, though. Everybody with me? This doesn't undo the fact that they are the righteousness of God in Christ. That's an established truth throughout the New Testament. He is dealing with the practicality of how they are conducting themselves. And so he's using this, this strong language with them and saying... You guys need to get your act together, man. You need to clean this thing up. In fact, he uses that, that, that language. He said, uh, cleanse your hands. Now, your hands are what you do. He's talking about their actions. And he said, you sinners. Now, what sinners, we're not sinners. No, we're not positionally in Christ sinners. We're the righteousness of God in Christ. But he's talking about their hands. Right? He's talking about the way they're acting, the way they're behaving. And he's saying, this is what describes the way you look. This is what describes the way you've been acting. He said, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now, hearts doesn't refer to just the spirit that's been born again, because that doesn't ever need to be purified again. Once and for all, you've been cleansed, you've been washed, but the heart also includes the soul. It includes there, you can see by context, he called them double-minded. Cleanse your hearts, you double-minded. All right. So he's saying, you guys are doing the wrong things, and you guys have some wrong things going on in, on the inside. You guys have some heart issues. You have some double-mindedness going on. Now think about that, double-minded, that means you think one way one moment, you think another way another moment. One day you're thinking right, another day you're thinking wrong. Understand that the battleground the enemy wants to take you out in is right up here. He, once you're born again, he cannot, he can't send you to hell, you know, can't even threaten you with it really. I mean, we're safe, we're good, we're cleansed, we're righteous, we're, we're washed by the blood of Jesus, but he is going to continually attack you in your mind. Does everybody know that's the that's the only area he can't even really get to our bodies unless he comes through our mind, because faith in the heart will repel him and will repel all of his attacks. But if he can get you confused, if he can get you thinking one way one day and another way the next day, then he's got you all messed up. He's got you running around in circles, not being able to focus. Okay, so think about this. What is he telling them to do? Purify your hearts. You double-minded. There has to be a purity of single-mindedness. A purity of thinking. It really does matter how we think. And listen, we are choosing every day what we allow to to be in our minds and stay. And if I have questions and doubts and, and fears and wondering, and I let myself ponder them again and again and again and again, I am giving into a strategy of the enemy. That's how he can take me down. But if I have thoughts, I have questions, I have confusion, and I say, uh, I'm not going to meditate on that. I'm going to trust God to give me answers, to give me clarity where I need it, but I'm going to direct my mind back to Him, to what I know, to what is certain, to His Word, to His plan that God is a good God come on now all of us have questions all of us have all of us wonder about things at various times in life but we have to ha- we have to make a choice whether we're going to continually think on I don't know I don't know you know all this kind of stuff or we're going to think on the goodness of God how he's faithful how he's he, he he's uh, consistent every single time I'll keep my mind on that guess what I'm putting myself in position for the other stuff to get taken care of But it's this double-mindedness. It's this going in, going back and forth, back and forth. That's a killer, man. And that's how the enemy wants wants to get at people. And he really got to them because, man, they're fighting with each other. They got good words coming out of their mouth and then bad words coming out of their mouth. There's just a lot of dichotomy going on in the way they're conducting themselves and living. And he says, bring it back together. All right, watch what you do with your hands and watch what you think. Now, someone said, what does that have to do with drawing near to God? And this is a good question. Does my actions, do my actions, uh, and, and, and and does my thinking have anything to do with my closeness to God? You can see by the context, it must be yes. He said, submit to God resist the devil, draw near to him, and he'll draw near to you. And then he went into their hands and their, and their heart, their double-mindedness. And he dealt with these things all in context with drawing near to God. See, so here's what we must understand about the Lord. Uh, what you do does not change his love for you. But what you do may very well change your love for him. If I say, I, I want to draw near, I want to be in his presence. Father, I- I, you know, we're saying all the good things. I know you. I'm born of you. Uh, I've been born again, so I see the kingdom. And, and we're, we're, we're exercising ourselves unto these biblical truths. But at the same time, allowing our minds to go the wrong way. Same time, we're giving our hands to the wrong things. What's going to happen is we're going to become dull on the inside. And while we're trying to, 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 to uh, exercise ourselves one way, the other things are becoming a roadblock and a hindrance to that. You, you see, it's not that God is changing His mind about us, though. It's not that if I do the wrong thing or have the wrong thought, He's departing. But what, what's happening is on the inside, I'm departing. What do you mean I'm departing? His voice is getting quieter. His presence is becoming less real to me. What? His presence and His Word is less influential in my life, in how I live, how I think, and how I act. But if I will take heed to this, it will help me in this process of drawing near. That's why it's all together. And so whether that's a present tense issue with you right now or not, it's a truth issue. That we should all be aware of. Amen. How do I draw near to God? I submit to him and I resist the devil. I can't yield myself perpetually to the devil and draw near to God at the same time. See how that's a contradiction? See, I resist the devil and draw near to him. I'm not being neutral. I'm just going to be passive and be neutral. No, no, no. Resist the devil. Submit to God resist him draw near and he'll draw near it's all really one motion amen Amen. don't have a backswing without a front swing (laughs) you know one 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 big motion we resist and we draw close we resist and we submit to him and all this is just one activity that all again goes together and so uh, becoming dull and insensitive in heart is a big hindrance to fellowship in and with the Spirit of God. Okay, First uh, John two fifteen says, "Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him." Now interesting talking again to believers. He said, "You guys don't love the world." Well, why am I going to? Uh, is the Lord not going to love me anymore? Not talking about Lord changing. The Lord doesn't change. He's consistent. We can count on him. But when we love or when we are loving the world, loving the world stuff, the love of God obviously is not working in us. Amen. Jesus said in Matthew 15, 8, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So again, ultimately we get down to this. uh, On the inside, in our hearts, we can be closer or further from the Lord. And you can have the right words coming out of your mouth, but the goal is where's your heart? Come on now. Your mouth is going to be a really difficult thing to control if your heart's not in the right place. I'm just trying to control my words. Dude, control your heart. Get the right thing in your heart. And then your words will be easier to control. Amen. In fact, really impossible if you don't. Okay. So, let me finish with this tonight. I want to talk to you about exercising yourself in spiritual things. All right. I am going to draw near to God. We've said this a, a bunch of times already. In the spirit. Not in my body. I'm going to draw near, not in the flesh, but in the spirit. And uh, just like you can exercise yourself physically and mentally, uh, you can exercise yourself spiritually. And this is the part of us that we must keep active. We must keep alive at all times. Spiritual activity will increase your awareness of and, and knowledge of spiritual things. Okay. In other words, if I don't ever use my bicep, it's just going to get small. <laughs> It's not small. It's going to get small. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? If I don't ever use my muscles, they're going to go to their smallest point. <laughs> Whatever that is, I've never seen that. Uh, <laughs> but, but here's the thing. Our awareness of spiritual things can be up or it can be down. And it is directly tied to our use. It's directly tied to how much we engage in spiritual activity on a personal consistent level it, it's just like you can't o- occasionally work out and see positive physical results all you'll do is have pain <laughs> right in order for working out to benefit you you have to have a regular uh participation in it a- and spiritually it's likewise the same you can't just you know now and then hey i'm gonna go do something spiritual hey i'm gonna go to church hey i'm gonna go to, go i'm gonna go to the prayer meeting i'm gonna go to this i'm gonna you're not gonna gain ground all right, each time you'll be working out from ground zero. Yeah. Okay, and so um, three three things I want to give you tonight in, in finishing up. Three things that you can do that will exercise yourself spiritually. Number one, worship in the Spirit. Worship in the Spirit. And, and, and Philippians chapter 3, notice with me. Philippians, the third chapter. Tell me when you got it. Okay, don't put that up on the screen. (laughs) If you're new, we understand for you. But if you're old, I mean, (laughs) regular. If you're regular, then you're not uh, new to these things. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 3. It says, uh, For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit... Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Now, he says we are, he's writing to a group that's not Jewish. Circumcision was the sign of the covenant of Abraham. He says now we are the circumcision because in the New Testament, circumcision is that which is done uh, by the Spirit in the heart. Okay? Okay. Uh, so circumcision is not a physical thing anymore. It can be used in a spiritual way, meaning now we have covenant with God. We are a part of His family on the inside. He said, we are. Not just because you were born a Jew, now you've been born again. And so you relate to God and have a covenant with God from the inside out. We are the circumcision. And what do we do? We worship God in the spirit and again like like it like it says have no confidence in the flesh we don't worship god that way we don't serve him we don't relate to him in the flesh we do it in the spirit now someone might say is that holy spirit or human spirit you ever wondered that when you read verses in the new testament uh New King James uses a capital S. Some translations use a small s. And, uh, and and really, it's it was up to the translators, whatever they thought it was, whether they put, put a big S or a little S there. All right? I don't typically... Some scriptures, I can give you a, a strong opinion uh, of whether it should be human spirit or Holy Spirit. Usually, though, uh, it doesn't matter that much because the way that we serve God is... In the born again spirit by the Holy Spirit. There's really not a separation there. He fills us. Our spirit is filled with His spirit, and so we together worship God that way. Amen. So, how can I exercise myself? Unto the end result of being developed and being aware of God at all times where so I can boldly go into this throne at any time that I need to, anytime time I want to. I should regularly and consistently worship Him in the Spirit. Amen. Alright, now I'll, I'll say a few more things about that in a bit. Number two. Number two. Two of three. One, two, three. Number two. Pray in the Spirit. All right. Pray in the Spirit. This is uh, Ephesians chapter 6. All right. Ephesians. The 6th chapter. Notice with me here. uh, Of course you see the context is putting on the armor of God. Dealing with the, the forces of darkness that are behind the scenes. And he ends this discussion. And he says in verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication, what? In the Spirit. Now, this is interesting. These words aren't just thrown in there as fillers. Someone said, oh, you just need to pray. Well, that's not what he said. He said you need to pray with all kinds of prayer, but you know what? You need to do it in the Spirit. Well, why would he say in the Spirit if that if it really didn't matter? I mean, prayer is prayer, right? When I see in the Spirit it kind of makes me wonder if it's possible to pray in the flesh. And if it's possible to pray in the flesh, I would have to also assume that that's not going to work. Since I am the circumcision, I worship in the Spirit. That means I'm not going to worship in the flesh. It has nothing to do with my natural heritage. It has nothing to do with my physical man. It has to do with who I am in Christ and how I've been made with one with Him in the Spirit. If I'm going to pray in the Spirit, I must be able to pray wrong. And wrong doesn't work. Wrong doesn't have results. The flesh does not have results, but I need to pray in the Spirit. What do you mean in the Spirit? I mean, I believe, and it doesn't matter what I mean. In studying the Scriptures, I believe it can mean multiple things. One of them is my third point. But uh, it can mean, uh, basically, it comes from the Spirit. Which Spirit? Your Spirit, you, born-again Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. It is inspired by Him. It comes out of that place. It's not fleshly motivated. It's spiritually motivated. It's spiritually inspired. Have you ever caught yourself praying and thought, man, this prayer is like really good. <laughs> it's like it's like I'm inspired to pray this. It's just like it's, like it's coming out of me. That's a spirit prayer. That's an in the spirit prayer and it's effective. It absolutely is. It's an effective prayer. It's like that scripture that's in over in Romans 8 that says, uh, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. You know how many times people take that out of its setting and remove it completely from the rest of the context, which is praying in and by the Spirit. They say, it'll all work out. No, it won't. <laughs> I know a lot of situations that did not work out, even for Christians. Didn't work out for good. Why? It wasn't prayed through, wasn't prayed out, wasn't prayed about, and wasn't dealt, wasn't dealt with in their spirit by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Come on now, let's deal with the whole Bible. Remember, we're <laughs> not just supposed to take things out to fit our theology. We want to be right. We want to be effective. I like fruit. Yeah. Praise God. Way more than vegetables. <laughs> Different kind of fruit. Uh, so worship in the spirit. Pray in the spirit. Number three. Number three, speak in the Spirit. All right? This is 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Speak in the Spirit. And really, you could put mysteries there. Speak mysteries in the Spirit. Now, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter, again, 14, verse 2, Fourteen two. It reads, For he who speaks in a tongue... Or some translations will say an unknown tongue. Or an, or an other tongue. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. The reason it will say unknown or something like that. Because if your normal natural tongue is English. Then it wouldn't be speaking in English. Alright. because all right. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. How, uh, for no one understands him. No one including the speaker. However, in the Spirit, He speaks mysteries. If I want to develop myself in spiritual things, then I'm told in multiple places in Scripture to do certain things in the Spirit. And in the Spirit, for the saved one, means in the Spirit... By the Spirit, through the power of the Spirit, through the inspiration of the Spirit. And I've got to have that be a normal part of my daily life where I am involved in the Spirit. I'm doing spiritual things just like I do physical things. I do spiritual things. Now you can see right here. That what he's calling this, he said, praying in the Spirit or speaking mysteries. Now, mysteries to who? Not mysteries to God, but mysteries to us. You know, you can actually talk about things you don't know. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons God did this. He gave the right for all believers, every person in the body of Christ. Now, this might be new to some of you because in our day and age, not all uh, not all preachers will tell you the truth because you might not come back. Uh, unfortunately so but but this is available for all believers today to speak in a language they've never learned and don't even understand while they're speaking it but the bible says when you do that you are speaking mysteries to god you are speaking out godly things the plan of god the purpose of god the future you're taking care of things in a spiritual realm by the holy spirit what if you could do that every day of your life would that help you when you came to worship in the spirit would that help you when you went into pray in the spirit it would help you beyond Would you even imagine? It's one of the greatest helps to me in my life to be spiritual. (laughs) It's one of the greatest helps for me to hear from God and to know His voice. It's It's why sometimes in a service it's easier to speak with tongues and interpret than it is to prophesy. Because that tongue that comes out, that inspiration in a different language helps you to be tuned into and aware of what God is saying that you could articulate in your own language. It's a very real practice that all believers can be involved with. Do we have a class coming up? We do, next, week. next week we have a class on this. How convenient. <laughs> Sign up on your way out. If you've never been to our Holy Spirit class, and they'll give you all the details that I'm not giving you now, answer all the questions, and you can be filled and begin to speak in the Spirit anytime you want for the rest of your days. And it will help you so much, so much to worship, to pray, to speak out the plan of God, to make declaration in the spirit of what ought to be and what is going to be, you can exercise your faith that way. Bible says you even build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. And so these things are uh, are, are very, very important and valuable to uh, to live in a spiritual life. And ultimately, it comes down to this: this is how I draw near to Him. I draw near right in here. I come close and He comes close to me. And I find myself speaking, praying, worshiping in the Spirit that way in another tongue and in my known tongue. But when you get over in the Spirit there's a lot that you can see. A lot you can hear. A lot you can understand. And God has given us these tools so it can become again like it was many years ago natural and normal to relate to him to have fellowship with him to hear from him amen amen let's pray tonight father in jesus name we thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives we thank you so much for your plans and purposes coming to pass in us lord we desire you we delight ourselves in you We draw our hearts near to you. And I thank you that you draw near to us. We receive of your presence. Oh, Lord, we receive of your love. We receive of your grace and mercy. Thank you for the fellowship of the Spirit in our lives. Lord, we long to see and know more than we have ever Known before, more valuable and precious is the knowledge of Jesus than any accomplishment, than anything we've ever done in this life. And here we are, Lord. We are here now, and this is not the end. But we continue on with you. We continue on with new and fresh experiences, day by day and week by year, week by week. We continue on, and you speak. And you show yourself strong in our lives. And Lord, then the world sees something that's so very desirable. They want you too in their lives. So thank you for stirring our hearts. For drawing us close. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen.